swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads where bandits are. Catacombs and giant doors protect the chests and stores and legendary items with the dragon bones and iron It's ore. a grand theft of Elder Scrolls, Simon's quest with Toe and Earl, rocket shoes to every crew, Easter eggs and gaming news. The POTUS need some bad dudes to crash a crew like Bandicoot. All shit and gaming and glitch control issues. Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is A-Dub. You can find us at control-issues.com. You can also go to your podcast provider, wherever that may be. Look for Control Issues. Download it. Subscribe to it. Rate it. Review it. Five stars. All of that. Head on over to twitch.tv slash control issues pod where we put up gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure and pop on over to Twitter. My control issues is the handle. Let us know what your control issues are and we'll tell you to stop your belly bitching and go about your day. AMC, how you living? Living well. We took off two weeks. Happy yes. to be back. Got in that, squeezed in that baby moon. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just, just needed to get away for a weekend. And it was actually the first time that both of us have been away from Theo for an overnight, so it was, it was a pretty big deal. We were worried. Theo didn't seem to care, so that was great. <laughs> he probably had the time of his life. He's like, ah. Yeah, he, he was hanging out with his grandparents doing, doing the damn thing, so yeah, he was happy. Um, but yeah, other than that, just same old shit. Happy to be back. How about you, my man? How, how you been? Oh, man, just working, finally able to work out like I used to. I think my wrist is like 97, 98% back in working order, so that's good. Doing legit dips for a change instead of doing them into the couch dips, messing up my, my, messing up my phone. So <laughs> that's pretty dope. And, you know, just living my life, trying to get back on track, get on top of everything. You know, had, had a nice little... Nice little hot girl summer turned into hot girl fall, and now it's just been a gaming fall, and I'm trying to cut back so I can get back on my grizzly. I know you tried to cut back, but some things came out that we have to discuss, A-Dub. So oh, yes, they did. <laughs> why don't you tell me what you've been playing? I'm going to tell you what I've been playing. <laughs> I've been playing a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> but first, let me, let me tell you what I've been playing a little bit of. I, you know, I'm still getting my little sprinkles of Returnal in there. I'm, uh-huh. I'm trying to edge my way to the Platinum. Mm-hmm. I've been doing good. Like, you know, I'm unlocking weapon trades. I'm finding my runes. I, I found a new item. It's like sun fragments or something. I did, I've never heard anything about these. And strangely enough, for a game like Returnal that has a true ending, for all the people I know that have played it, nobody has talked about it or spoiled the true ending, which is kind of weird. But, A, I'm not complaining. I just want to keep rolling with that. So, yeah, man, having a blast with that game. It's I wouldn't call it a palate cleanser type of game. It's more of a, like, a control kind of game where I play that and then I'm like, like it's a calibrator game. Like, it, it dials up your senses to where they need to be, your reaction time, your reflexes, so that you can play other games that aren't, as challenging or demanding and it's like a walk in the park so 
yeah, Returnal is just outstanding. And hopefully it gets recognized in some festivities that are coming up pretty soon, but we'll talk mm. a little bit more about that. But, um, the real game I've been playing and playing the absolute shit out of is Forza Horizon 5. Yes. So yes, been waiting for months. I'm glad Microsoft announced it like around E3 time to where there was only a handful of months to wait. It was still brutal, but you know what? The day came and actually it came a little early because your boy got in on that, that early access a couple days early. was playing on uh, a couple Sundays ago and you know what? It's, it's a lot of things. It's kind of hard to quantify because by and large, it is Forza Horizon 4, just in a brand new location. However, it's better because it, it feels different. It moves different. It sounds different. It looks better. Like it, In Forza Horizon 4, I was very much taken aback by the visuals. It looks, especially with um, the Series X enhancements, it looks damn near real. But with Forza Horizon 5, like, that shit is fucking real, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Like, with, with 4, it, it's great to look at, but at, eventually that novelty wore off a little bit, and I was just more focused on my car, focused on the race. With Forza Horizon 5, I'm looking at the entire screen all the time, because the sheer beauty and scale of Playground's interpretation of Mexico is... This is unlike anything I've ever seen in games. And if this is a precursor to what's to come down the line from the industry in general, let alone Microsoft Game Studios or just Playground individually, like if, if this is a glimpse into what we can expect from the next Halo, then uh, not Halo, the next Fable, then uh, yeah, this generation is going to knock a lot of socks off. But, you know, I played the hell out of the game. I've driven on all 578 roads. I've completed all the road races. I've completed all the street races. I've set up all the various events in the Horizon Festival. I still have a lot of story missions to do, which is very cool because it's, it's dope. Like the festival is divided up into five different festival sites. There's the main Horizon Mexico festival site where that's like the main events. And then there's the apex site, which is the road races. Those are like, you know, your just your standard circuit races or like your, your chases where it's just a road race. It's you and whatever car you choose, you're going down a road. There might be some different kind of conditions, might be a little wet, might, might be a little windy, you know, but um, then there's the street scene. And that's like street races where you're going through more, you're going through more kind of urban environments. You're not so much on a circuit or a track or on more of a closed situation. Like it's more in the city. You're going through like neighborhoods or on freeways and things like that. Like more urban populated kind of areas. Then there's Horizon Baja, which is the off-road shit. And these have these tracks that not only are mostly dirt, but also they take place off-road like there's no roads <laughs> you just gotta look for your you gotta look for your signposts if you got your driving line enabled you gotta follow that a little bit and yeah just try to you know stay within the bounds of wherever you're racing it's got 
crazy jumps. You're smashing your way through destructible portions of the environment. Very easy to just slip off the track and completely lose your way or, you know, land on another car during a jump and get thrown off and, and flip your car. Like it's These are – Horizon Baja is by far – my favorite races that are in the game. Then there's um, Horizon Wilds, which are the rally slash dirt racing kind of events. So basically track or circuit racing, but on dirt. And I believe that's what I said. Apex, Baja, Wildlands, or Wilds, Wildlands, Ghost Recon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so covered all that. Then there's also um, PR stunts and you fill those in and those put the things like the speed traps and the danger signs, the danger signs are like dangerous jumps where you're with the, with the PR stunts, you're trying to get three stars and that's based on your performance in a given stunt. So like with the, with the danger signs, it's to see how far you can jump. So one star is like 200 feet, two stars is 400 feet, five stars is 650 feet. And man, it's, those are very fun because it, it's not just about making the jump and getting the distance. It's about finding a nice stretch of land that you can get a good running start at the jump with and, you know, hopefully making it there because sometimes you, you got to be on a road and you got to take a couple sharp turns. You got to avoid traffic and then you got to veer off the road, crashing through a guardrail and try to keep your car straight while you're driving on dirt then hit the jump. And then that's just not the end of it because you got to stick the landing. You can't hit sideways. You can't land upside down. You got to land flat. Also, <laughs> you can't hit anything after you land. There was one jump in particular I was having a little trouble with where I was sticking the landing, but because of the distance I had to reach, the only thing in front of me was like these two buildings and a semi tractor truck trailer. It's like, how am I supposed to hit this? Eventually I hit the jump sideways. So when I hit the ground, like my car being sideways stripped off enough of my momentum when I hit the ground that I didn't hit the building and lose my jump. So I knocked that out. Oh yeah, this they got like speed zones where you have to go through a certain stretch of land as fast as you possibly can and get a, a high enough average speed to get your stars. They have the speed traps where you want to roll through the what is it, the, the traffic camera at the highest speed you can muster. So there's a lot there. You can generally just drive around the world if you want to. And when you do that, you're also subject to the, the dynamic weather events that may happen in the game itself. Uh, I haven't seen a sandstorm occur just dynamically in free roam, but I was privy to driving around, you know, trying to get to the next race. I don't like to fast travel too much, you know, it costs money. And at the same token, I want to sometimes try out a new car, get used to add handles, figure out what I need to improve in order to make it just right for the way that I like to do things for me. And driving my way to this race, it was like kind of sprinkling where I was it's like, okay, you know, it's a little wet, need to be careful. The closer I got to the race, rain got heavier, clouds got darker, thunder and lightning, wind started picking up like Trees are blowing sideways, like 
pieces of cacti and things are just blowing all across the road. It was like, I just rode into the heart of the storm. This is insane. I was hoping I could have raced it. But yeah, man, Forza Horizon 5, I'm doing fantastic. I have all but one of the homes. I have over 100 vehicles. Uh, I bought everything there is to buy to customize my character in order to eliminate the item pool that the game is pulling from whenever I'm getting those wheel spins. You know, customized a lot of cars, got a lot of free stuff. They've got a system of accolades that tracks the things you do and gives you points based on that that build toward your score that gets you to the Hall of Fame that then unlocks a whole nother set of accolades that give you bigger rewards. So, you know, it they gamified a lot of the mundane stuff within the Forza experience. So you're constantly being rewarded. You're constantly being reminded that you're making progress towards something else. And overall, it's it's a more perfect version of the Forza Horizon experience that I've only just recently been interested in and I'm enjoying it immensely. But AMC, what have you been playing? That is awesome. I love to hear that everything that you were looking forward to has been met. Um, as far as myself, I played two games over the past two weeks. The first one is a game that I beat that you've been hearing about, that being Metroid Dread. Finally put that shit down. It was awesome. Um, yeah, it was, it was actually great how it ended in that. So I took off Monday this week as I went off. As I, as I mentioned, I went out of town, came back late sunday night took off monday to just get a day to like just chill and marissa was like hey i'm gonna watch theo you can do what you do and so then <laughs> just sat down went on an amazing run in metroid got those final few abilities and then they pretty much just let me know all right this is the part of the game where you're gonna go and fight the final boss so do what you gotta do and so i went back did a little backtracking picked up a couple extra items i got like this one um it's almost like a supernova mine that i could lay and so i got um some upgrades where i can basically increase the inventory of those and those came absolutely in handy for that final boss battle um went into that final boss battle and it was i died so many times i blew their <laughs> three phases of the boss fat boss battle and it was like the first phase took a little bit got that down second phase took a took a little bit got that down and then that third phase took a lot of it and then finally got that down and it, it what was good is that it i had to utilize all my abilities it wasn't i could just rely on one thing like had to had to use the dash had to use the roll had to use the mines, had to use the super, the super, I guess, Nova mines, had to use the missiles, the regular blaster. It was a little bit of everything, which is great. Um, actually, the only thing I didn't use was maybe the grapple, and I'm sure that could have come in handy, but I did not use that. Um, but yeah, the, the game was absolutely awesome. Beat that, felt great, put that down, and then kind of went on this thing for the rest of the week where it was just like, fuck. What am I going to play? And it's it's the near it's the end of the year, and you know we do our our trolleys. So you know I got to have at least I believe Metro not believe Metro Dread is the only game I believe that came out this year that I played. I want there might be some other Switch games. Uh, uh, the thing with Switch is they have ports from like Wii U, so I'm not sure if I'm counting those as new games necessarily. But uh, this is Metro Dread is the 
the only new game that I played that actually came out this year as far as like fresh titles. And so I was debating other games. PlayStation had or has an insane indie sale going on right now. So I picked up a couple of games on there. Um, and as I was like just debating what I was going to play next, I was like, I got to play something new. And so I finally decided it was time, picked up Eastward. It was between Eastward and Deathloop. And, you know, I, I couldn't resist Eastward. It was that, that nostalgia, you know, just everything that that game is trying to, you know, trying to pluck, I guess, when it comes to things that you like about games of the past, it has all of that going. And then some, and so yeah, I had to pick it up, played it, only got an hour in. Theo is sick as hell. And so he immediately woke up at around like 10 o'clock and was just crying and wouldn't go to sleep without somebody being in there. And, you know, that's, that's, that's my job. And so I only got an hour of Eastward in. Only thing I can really say about the game so far is I'm really liking the characters. It, it's the, um, not going to go as far as to say, you know, that lone wolf and cub, uh, what is it? Um, Mandalorian where it's, you know, the lead character. And then he has like the little sidekick, the little homie, but, um, I don't even know the, the main person's name, but it's, it's kind of like a Joel character and he's rolling with a little girl as far as from what I know, the little girl has psychic abilities. She hasn't expressed those yet. Um, so that will, that will reveal itself eventually in the storyline. Uh, all I have is a frying pan. Um, it's funny. The game has a little bit for as what would seem to be a very simple game. There's a little depth to it as far as I, I have a frying pan, but I know I'm going to get more weapons. I have a backpack. There's an inventory. Um, I believe there's crafting along the, along the way. So they're starting to set me up with little mechanics. I got, a, I got a bomb that I can place and blow up obstacles and then, you know, reveal hidden areas of the map. Um, I already have a treasure, like, I guess a treasure tracker as far as it um, notifies me if I'm surround, if I'm near one. Unfortunately, I can't get the treasures yet. So eventually, I guess I'm assuming I'll get a, a shovel and I'll be able to dig up these buried treasures. But the game has a lot going on. The main thing that really pulled me in and you know is gonna keep me going is I'll say charm. When you when you saw when you first saw the trailer for Eastward, it has the music, it has the aesthetic, and yeah, that charm is just irresistible. And that is the first thing I noticed when I started playing the game was I was like, damn, this game is just charming as fuck like i am just enjoying looking at this game not only looking at it the the dialogue is hilarious uh, i love the animation the art style uh and yeah and the storyline just seems to be already interesting it starts out with the characters underground um apparently he's an incredible digger even though as i said i don't have a shovel yet and um he wants to make it to the surface. So eventually that's going to come into play. And then that's when I guess I'll start traveling around the world. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of setup right now and I'm enjoying everything that I've played, but it, as I said, only been an hour. So don't really have much to really get into with that. So next week I'll really have a really in-depth breakdown of Eastward, but a dub let's get into it. We got two weeks worth of news. So let's get into these topics of the week. Uh, topics of the week. And as customary A-Dub, you will lead it off what you got for us. Well, let's start with the bad news. <laughs> In case some of you were just itching to know what was going on with the new Saints Row, we're here to update you. We're here to let you know. It got pushed back. 
yeah, Saints Row is coming out of its very precarious position as releasing on the same day as Elden Ring to now being released in August of 2022. Mm. Yes. Uh, Volition admits it misjudged the impact the COVID-19 pandemic would have on development and they're moving the game back. So, you know, no big deal. The comment says our priority is to create the best Saints Row game yet. And if we released on the original date, it wouldn't be up to the standards we've set ourselves and that you're expecting and deserve. The team just need more time to do our vision justice. We're doing some fine tuning and there won't be much change in the game outside of overall quality and polish. In all honesty, we underestimated the impact COVID would have on our schedule, although everyone adapted very quickly to the working from home arrangement and continued to be incredibly productive. Rest assured, there will not be any changes to the story or the characters or anything that we've lovingly imagined over the last few years and already shared with you uh, over the past <laughs> years. All corners of the entertainment industry have been affected, impacted in one way or another. As gamers ourselves, we know what it feels like to have something delayed, which you've been looking forward to. It's frustrating and you feel disappointed. Uh, but we also know that when we finally get Saints Row in your hands, it will have been worth the wait. It's our absolute priority to get this right. That is a very verbose and roundabout way to say, uh, we didn't think Elden Ring would be such a monster. <laughs> we need to get our game out of the way. <laughs> you think that's why you think that's that's why the delay? I think I don't think that they're lying. Yeah, okay. I just think that they I just think that they gave us like the more realistic reason that mm. makes sense to like shareholders and stuff. Because if you, the last thing you want to do is to convey to your customers as well as your shareholders that, Hey, we don't think our product is going to be as good as this other product or be able to stand on its own were they to be released at the same time. <laughs> what you want to say is, Hey, we need a little more time. We're just going to polish it up. You know, it's, it's kind of hard with these circumstances. We're just going to push you back six whole months. Yeah. So that's that's the only reason why because initially that I had that same thought. I was like, oh, it's Elden Ring. Like totally is the reason why they delayed this game. But the fact that they deleted it, that they delayed it that much makes me think that they are gonna it is like it's it's convenient, is what I'll say, is that um they could also use some time to polish up the game. But really, yeah, they didn't want to release around Elden Ring. But the fact that they released it, they're releasing it that late, because I was like, even like April, May. I would, I would understand if it were that, like maybe just like a month off, I'd be like, okay, now they're, they're delaying this because of Elden Ring. But the fact that they pushed it that far back makes me think like, okay, they have more to add to this game. And maybe even based on some of the reaction, they're like, all right, well, we got to make sure that this game is, this, this game is basically above par or, you know, just, just comes out great because it's already, you know, some of the reaction to it has been so negative that they have to make sure that they give no am- they give no ammunition or fuel yeah. to the trolls that are already coming sideways at this game. We and can't so, give them anything to latch on to. <laughs> yeah. And so they're probably adding more, doing everything that they can to make sure that this game is every bit that they want it to be uh, because it's already getting a raw deal, I feel like, based on just that announcement trailer. I guarantee you that if there's if there's absolutely nothing wrong with this game, somebody will say something to the degree of uh, title card looked terrible. I turned it off and I installed it. 
Exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, so this next this next topic of the week that I'll that I'll keep it moving. So, in with what you were saying, this one is definitely clearly due to the fact that Elden Ring got delayed, and this is a uh, a rare early release as opposed uh-huh. to a delay. This being for a game that is highly anticipated by myself and as I'm assuming you, oh, A-Dub. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, this absolutely. One, yeah, this one being Sifu. And so I pulled the story from Game Informer. Sifu, the upcoming Kung Fu action game from developer Slow Clap, has moved its release date by exactly two weeks and moved its release date, moved up its release date by two weeks. After it was delayed to 2022, we learned that its release date was February 2022 which would have had its sandwich right in between uh, Horizon Forbidden West and Elden Ring. Not a good position. And So it could have been moved up one week yeah. and come out just a few days before Horizon, but they went two whole weeks to give Sifu just a little extra breathing room before Horizon and Elden Ring yeah. sweep the nation. And it would have been, yeah, and Saints Row would have also been right in that, like, that window. So it would, it would just would have been a nightmare. And so, yeah, they pushed it up, and now it's releasing two weeks earlier. Um, awesome. On February 8th, which is a great thing. I will say, for me personally, uh, I was... So, as I mentioned to you, I, I wasn't going to get Horizon. Elden Ring is on my radar, but um, Triangle Strategy... I want to call it Project Triangle Strategy, but Triangle Strategy is coming out early March. And so that's keeping me from getting uh, Elden Ring at launch. And but, pre-orders are available now. Have you yeah, gotten yours? I have not, but I, I will be putting that in. <laughs> and, and so with uh, this game now coming out in early February, that might be that is just enough of a window of a month to to try to beat it before Triangle Strategy comes out. And so now this almost guarantees that I will be getting Sifu at launch. Um, how about yourself? We saw a little bit of the, um, like, you know, the combat um, breakdown. What do you think about this game? Well, the combat breakdown is done for me more than what any of the trailers have done beforehand, because now I'm actually, they're actually showing us the game closer to its final form, as well as what that, the gameplay experience is going to look like for the player. I mean, we saw mechanics where you have the focus where you can pick a particular part of the enemy and hit it with a specific attack. But then those pressure points. Yeah. <laughs> hit them with that with the 64 pressure point. My boy Neji coming back. <laughs> uh, I liked I like how you're able to create distance and utilize the environment to control the battlefield. You're able to go and pick up things in the environment and weaponize them. You're able to disarm your foes, pick up their weapons and weaponize them. And then you're able to just whoop that ass any way you feel like it. Uh, One of the things that I enjoyed most from the latest gameplay overview was that it showed a system similar to Sekiro's posture mechanic where as you're getting hit, you're being, as you're getting hit and as you're blocking, you're, you're being knocked off balance. And if your meter fills up, then you get opened up for a vulnerable attack. Whereas the same thing is also happening to the enemies and then you can avoid or diminish the balance damage or accumulation by making sure that you dodge enemy attacks. So 
there's a balancing act involved there that's give and take. Like I noted earlier, this is very similar to Sekiro where you could sit back and block attacks, but then you're taking posture damage will eventually be opened up for a free attack from the enemy where you can't block. At the same token, if you're timing your block so that you deflect their attacks, you're not only preventing yourself from accumulating posture damage, but you're dealing it back to the enemy, which opens them up for the death blow. So yeah, uh, once again, I, I gotta go back to the earliest days of when Sekiro came out and remind folks that we hear control issues. We're telling y'all like, this, this mechanic is going to catch on. And when it does, it's going to improve melee combat for the better. We've seen, we've seen similar mechanics from Sekiro pop up in Ghost of Tsushima. We saw almost the same exact combat system pop up in uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Now we're seeing a similar combat system in a more melee-focused experience, Sifu, that uses those kinds of mechanics. So hopefully this is just yet another signpost on our progression toward just a more perfect combat system that's standardized for all games everywhere. Now, AMC, you said that you're definitely going to be picking up seafood. Are you going to take advantage of the 48-hour early access that comes with the deluxe edition? Yep, it's it's there, and it's I think it's discounted as well on top of that. So I think that's that's going to have to happen. As I said, any any amount of time that I can get between this game and Triangle Strategy is um, a bonus. And so, yeah, I'll definitely be picking it up. It's I think it's a game. It's close to your, that birthday as you can. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's just like it. From what I've seen, something would have to go terribly wrong for this game to be bad. <laughs> and if not, I mean, I'll still have. It looks like I'll just have a good time playing it regardless. If the game mm-hmm. is say like you know, doesn't have like a really in-depth story or anything along those lines. Um, but the combat looks great. The fact that they're, um, what was it? Uh, it was the Absolver? Was the, yes. uh, yeah, the fact that they already kind of had this foundation in place means that they've had time to fine tune it. So, you know, it's not like their first outing with this and there might be um, holes that you can kind of pick with it. They've had enough time to really break it down and take it to this next level. And so, yeah, uh, everything is right for it. I guess, the question I would pose to you then is knowing that it was, you had already mentioned that you were going to get um, horizon um, over Elden ring. Mm-hmm. Um, now that knowing that this game is coming out two weeks before horizon, is this a, cons- are you considering a purchase for this? Or are you going to still uh, off for horizon? That's a good question. I hadn't even considered it because it's, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. I know I'm going to have it at some point, it moving up doesn't really change my calculus because Horizon comes out the following week and the last thing I want to do is to just give this a week of my time knowing that it's probably going to be something that I'm going to want. Like this this might fall into the same vein as a Returnal for me where I play the hell out of it, I finish it, but then I still come back to it and just work work on painting scenes, work on dealing, yes. dealing with the randomness, trying new things. Like it's, I'm, I, I haven't put it into words and I'm going to try to now, but especially with the, the growth of roguelikes as a genre and as a focal point of gaming mechanics in general, like I've been looking for more games of that nature because despite how short they are, they provide 
near limitless replay value in that you can pick them up at any time and you're going to find yourself in a situation that you you haven't quite dealt with before. So it's they always feel fresh. They're always there, just ready to go. It's like, oh, one more time. Want to do it again? One more time. <laughs> you can always, can always get in them. Like I, for the longest time, I wasn't even playing Returnal to like get trophies or go for the platinum. I was just playing it to play it. Especially these days, that feeling's coming back even more because I like rediscovering my love for Biome Four and Biome Five those levels are just outstanding they have the right kind of enemies your your weapons start at level 15 or higher so they have a lot of good weapon traits on them already so you're getting that functionality it's returnal is just such a good time so i'm hoping that i'll get a similar feeling from the different experience that is sifu however with horizon just a week out, I think I can tough it out and just wait for Horizon. Sifu is definitely something that's on my must-have list, but I don't think that I need to be there on day one. I mean, I'm sorry. I want to support it and signal to the industry that this is the kind of stuff that I want to see, and I hope it sticks the landing. I know it's going to be something that I'll enjoy no matter how it, how it scores, how it sells, how it's received by the consumers. Ah, it's just, you know... As, as you get as you get older and you don't have as much time uh-huh. gotta you gotta be more responsible about your purchases and you know I, I gotta be I bought too much stuff I've started too much stuff I gotta yeah. start finishing the things I have I gotta stick to my purchase plan and just go with that like it's bad enough that I won't be able to be there day one on Elden Ring but I'm not gonna I'm not going to let Horizon take away from my experience with seafood and I'm not going to do seafood the disrespect of only giving it such a limited amount of my time before I move on to something else. Yeah, I hear you. All right, well, let's let's move into this next topic of the week. Our topic of the week. What you got, Ada? Well, we got a little fiasco. <laughs> Just a little bit. So as you guys know, we got... We had got confirmation that there was, in fact, a GTA Trilogy Remastered Definitive Edition in the works. Eventually, this Definitive Edition Trilogy Remaster was released. The old versions of the game were removed. So the only yeah. versions that we have were these. Yeah. And uh, despite their improvements, despite their innovations... <laughs> It didn't quite stick the landing. Unfortunately, these games, not only were they just riddled with the bugs and glitches and shortcomings of their original iterations, but they seem to have added more in the process. And despite what they bring to the table, they also left quite a bit off. I mean, we've seen we've seen glitch and bug montages of just like misshaping character models like Vice City character textures popping up in San Andreas, uh, vehicles rocketing off into the sky for no apparent reason at all. Uh, just, <laughs> all just all kinds of things. I mean, and that's just like the funny stuff and the fun stuff. But then there's more functional problems where you wouldn't be able to finish a mission or just, you know, there, there was some game-breaking stuff involved there. People were extremely upset. They've been voicing their concerns all across the internet 
of course there were people trying to make light of the situation like oh it's just like how the games originally were it's just a remaster it's not a remake what did you expect yeah it's like no people are communicating to you that it's worse than they ever were uh there were some reviews and write-ups that said this definitive edition is the worst way that you can experience these three classics and eventually after about a week of people continuously and increasingly voicing their discontent with this offering, Rockstar issued an apology, announced a plan to update and patch those definitive editions, and they also took them down, putting back the editions that they replaced for the time being. So, yeah. AFC, <laughs> how do you feel about all this? Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, the only thing I would say about this is I wasn't excited to begin with when they announced the definitive edition. For me personally, I was I was in the camp of why not just do a remake rather yeah. than do a definitive edition. Like remake um, one of them. You don't have to polish up all three. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so be- because they just kind of released them in this form, it was just like, yeah, well, uh, whatever. Uh, I, I It does make you question because of just how much those games represent for you know take two and rockstar and just you know like it just it brought rockstar into like it just moved them into another level as far Mm -hmm. as like as you would as you would view them in comparison to other developers and so you would think there would be a little more of a um i don't know just a reverence for those games and to make sure that they're out in the best form, if not better uh, than their original forms. Mm. And so to, to unfortunately hear all the issues, and especially because you knew there are people who love these games and they were going to nitpick the shit out of these games, like, oh, definitive edition, let's see how much better these games are. And in the moment that they started to just see the the differences or even just the things that didn't work, um, yeah, you knew this is going to happen. I am happy that um you know for as much as you would assume rockstar and like that they would have i guess a mindset of a rockstar and that go fuck yourself this is this is now the versions of gta that you will be playing (laughs) this is what you get (laughs) like they they totally could have gone that route the fact that they you know looked at it and they're like you know our bad and we're gonna make up for it i'll make up for it now um Good, good on, good on them in that way. I mean, it's kind of crazy the fact that, like, it makes you wonder if they even like had QA testing <laughs> for these games. The fact that they like came out worse in in, in uh, compared to the the OGs, but whatever. Um, hopefully, they get it fixed and people can enjoy them for what they are. But you know, I'm I'm I've already kind of moved on from. The, the definitive editions of these games how about you hey, I, was, I was keenly interested in them because i was i was very intrigued by what rockstar would have meant by modern gameplay improvements and you know bugs and glitches aside people falling through the map and you know popping up in different parts of the, of the open world aside it actually looked like a significant improvement having all three games having a proper free aim system like GTA three with the free game. Oh man, that's, that's a dream come true. Like my city with free, aim, that's crazy. So 
that caught my attention. I also saw in San Andreas there was a weapon wheel instead of you having to scroll through each of the weapons with the shoulder buttons. So that looks pretty dope. However, you know, like you said, I want to go back to a point that you made. Like these are the games that catapulted Rockstar into the spotlight. And I, I'm wondering, outside of Nintendo, like, would you say that Rockstar was the first like noteworthy developer with GTA 3? Because before before GTA 3, I don't recall anybody ever like being hyped for a particular developer's games outside of Nintendo. Like Nintendo's like, oh, the Mario, you know, yeah. like oh, Smash Brothers. But once GTA came out, it was like, oh, Rockstar, Rockstar, Rockstar. And like, this was years before Naughty Dog would come around. This is years before Demon Souls would come out and From Software would, would get there like, this is over a decade before The Witcher 3 would come out. Mm-hmm. CD Projekt Red was in the limelight for a brief moment. Uh, this is, who, I mean, who, what are the yeah, other, yeah, the like, only, the Sucker only Punch other, Insomniac? Yeah, the only other one that I could think of would have been maybe Rare. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just, yeah, you know, like GoldenEye and then Banjo-Kazooie. Um, I think Conquerors, <laughs> Bad Fur Day, mm-hmm. but yeah, like, but yeah, no, Rockstar was Rockstar was on another level, and with each release of GTA, it only just built them up even more. Like, oh, there's nothing, and, if, and the fact that they pretty much revolutionized this this idea of sandbox, and then yeah. every other game tried to you know try to try to capture that glory. Um, yeah, there was just there's not much you can say in comparison like even like golden eye was a great game but there have been great first person shooters before that but um yeah rockstar completely just made a genre the thing to do when it came to video games and we, we've seen just every other game trying to do what they did with uh, gta so yeah I, I would agree that there is just there was maybe no other bigger name as far as a developer as a uh, rock star. I would agree with that. Yeah. To the point that now people are tired of open world games. <laughs> still buy them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let's get to our next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. This is a, uh, this is kind of a quick one, a dub. Um, so this is an, not a gaming story, but it's very much a gaming story. Um, so YouTube, they decided that they're going to remove the dislike counts or basically make them private. Mm -hmm. Reason why this is a gaming story, because anytime, you know, like uh, Call of Duty, they they show a new game and then there's dislike, 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 dislike. (laughs) there's a new record for the most disliked videos. And it was always a gaming video. And then somehow that would always like, you know, the media, the, the the gaming sites that always somehow try to attribute to like oh are people over Call of Duty now because this is the most disliked video on YouTube blah blah blah, blah. And of course Call of Duty would then go on to be the best selling game of the year <laughs> the best selling <laughs> Call of Duty of all time yeah <laughs> um, but yeah it, I I thought this was a pretty funny story uh, I know some people are upset about it I mean how do, how do you feel about this we we still have our review bombs but at least this is now taken away from the trolls. Where do you stand on this? (laughs) You know, I don't want to stand on the side of support of it, but because of because of the reasons why this more than likely was a move that was made, I fully support it because it's not like 
people are using the dislike button honestly. It's not like people are using user reviews honestly. And if people are just going to abuse and misuse these features that are implemented so that, you know, companies and outlets can get honest, big word there, bold and underlined, honest feedback from consumers, then consumers don't need those functions because what's the point? What's the point of giving you my phone number if you're just going to prank call me all day? <laughs> so it's like, fuck it, I'm changing my number or I'm just getting rid of my phone. So we're not talking anymore and I'm just going to go about doing my thing and you can keep player hating from the sideline. So it's, I, I fully support the remove of the dislike button. Not, not permanently. Like if people at some point somehow demonstrate that they can provide responsible, honest feedback and like, don't be one of those trolls that shows up talking about, oh, well, how do you know that the feedback isn't honest? Maybe it is a zero out of 10. Nothing's a zero out of 10. <laughs> I've, I, I read the zero reviews. I read the comments. I look at the people who provide this riveting constructive criticism that's supposed to help anybody do anything, which it doesn't. But it's, it's not constructive. It's not helpful. It's just a bunch of people hating and nobody has time for that shit. Like when, when the Saints Row trailer came out for the reboot, it, that's the main thing that people tout online as their justification for why they know it's going to be a bad game. Oh, look at the like to dislike ratio. It's you only ever see that for bad things. It's like, do you? <laughs> I can think of I can think of pretty big like to dislike ratios for pretty successful, well-received products. So that's not in any way any kind of like reliable rational indicator of how good something is going to be, especially something that's not done that none of you have ever had in your hands. And then with the user reviews, like, like you said, we have review bombing. People are throwing zeros and ones on stuff. The moment it comes out, people are throwing user reviews on stuff that they haven't even played that they don't even own or that they only spent like an hour or two in, in the case of steam in order to be eligible to even write a review. So it's, it's rampant abuse. It's rampant misuse. If people can, can't demonstrate that they can use these features responsibly, then they don't need them. And I hate to say that because I think people should be able to provide their feedback and be heard and develop a healthy, big word, bold and underlined, healthy discourse with developers and publishers in order to yield better products in the end. But if all you're providing is hate, nobody needs that you're useless. Just keep it to yourself. How do you like, what else you got for me? <laughs> nah, I, I, I got nothing else. I mean, the moment I saw it, I almost started just applauding to myself. <laughs> just I'm so happy that they did this. I know other sites have uh, like social media sites have, you know, thought about the idea of like removing like the number of likes, like the count and things along those lines, just because it's, you know, it's, it's an arbitrary number and people, you know, either they, the people read into it what they want. So it's like, oh, I have a ton of likes. That means I have a ton of engagement um, with like, with my community, or there's a ton of dislikes, which means like, oh, nobody's going to buy this game. And it's not just, it's not an accurate representation of like how people really feel about something. People will like something just because they're like, oh, a dub shared a video and I'm friends with him. So I'm just going to like it. Doesn't necessarily hey, mean hey, I like hey, hey. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Let's not call him into question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just saying. And, like, um, and so, yeah, I've, I've always felt like, having the count 
doesn't really um doesn't really do a lot like it's really it's it's for the individual and so the individual can't actually see the uh the total number of dislikes and likes but for the public um it's removing that i think is it's better it's it's just better overall it encourages better engagement um for the trolls they have less of a reason to engage negatively with like things just because they didn't like a cinematic trailer for a game so it's just it it you know takes a little bit of their power away which is i think a good thing because you know for me personally like even when i was trying to figure out what the next game i was going to play and when i eventually decided on eastward i was just looking up like metacritic um, reviews and i only read the positive ones because for me personally i want to know why people love things and that because that's why i'm going to play it the, the the negativity unless a game is broken that might be important like for say like a cyberpunk situation but for the most part if i'm playing a game and you know it gets like an eight out of ten i want to know all the good things about that eight out of ten i don't want to know what was wrong with it because a lot of times what you don't like about something is very subjective like oh it had uh loot boxes or it has randomization it's like well i don't mind randomization so that's not something that's going to bother me but if the gameplay is absolutely awesome that's something i do want to know if the story is great the character development's awesome those are all things that are very important to me and so i want to hear about all those those things that impact the uh the positivity behind the game and so yeah like, like when is a user review or a negative youtube comment ever revealed to you any kind of problem or issue with a game that either wasn't obvious or covered by a review <laughs> exactly exactly like when when has when has negativity helped <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh and so yeah like that's that's always my that's my personal philosophy on anything when it comes to when it comes to considering a purchase for a video game and so yeah uh taking that away i think is good it's i i always just whenever i see those stories about like oh the most negatively reviewed like video i just immediately just bypass it and so now it's just a good thing because it's just one less thing it's if anything it's lazy lazy uh news coverage like for for the company that's like you know what we don't like this thing and so now we're going to try to find anything to latch on to to you know get out another to pile on with another negative story it's one less like thing for even them to do and so i think it's just better overall for the industry and for the community as a whole it's a cynical circle jerk yeah exactly it's ridiculous yeah, yeah. but let's keep it moving a dub into the next topic of the week top topic of the week i'll hit you with a quick one as well one i don't think you might have seen today so i'm looking forward to your oh reaction. this is fresh off the hot off the presses hot off the presses this is a collaboration between high fashion high prestige high luxury company gucci mm. and xbox oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes a uh, luxury brand collabs continue with ten thousand dollar gucci xbox that Gucci box? That Gucci box. In fact, they should have replaced the C's with X's. <laughs> the, the Gucci box. Gucci. Yes. Yeah, so you guys already know the price tag. It's 10000 bucks. And mm. before anybody gets too up in arms about this, not only are there only 100 of these being made, mm. but they instantly sold out. Damn. <laughs> 
But just for more detailed information, this Gucci branded Xbox Series X has the the double G pattern laser cut into the console itself. Mm. And if you're like me and have seen this already, it looks kind of hot. Like I would would have the Gucci Xbox if I just had 10 G's to blow like that. Uh, So yeah, it's got the laser cut Gucci logo in the console itself. It's also numbered on the side. Uh, This is billed as an evolution of the original Gucci Rambi design from the 1930s. The initials not only represent Gucci or Gucci's initials, but also stands for good game. Uh, The console also comes with two customized Xbox wireless controllers, and this is complete with the house webs blue and red stripes. Uh, see, the console also comes with a vintage luggage box that you can pack and carry in. Uh, the luggage also sports the blue and red houseweb stripes with yellow trim. Each console will be individually numbered, as I noted earlier. And additionally, this bundle can only be purchased in store on November 17th. It has sold out already. It was available in several locations around the world, from New York to Beverly Hills to Mexico City, London, Tokyo, etc. And to Amsterdam. Each set comes with a subscription to Xbox Game Pass, and for ten grand, you would think it would be a lifetime subscription, but I highly doubt that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but yeah. So, AFC, have you pulled up the pictures? Have you looked? Yeah, at it? that shit is hot. <laughs> they got it. It's hot. It's hot. Like the only the only notes I have that kind of bug me are the green xbox and good game wording that's on the luggage as well as so so, so the the luggage comes with the xbox as well yeah it's all part of the package package. yeah (laughs) deal get your your xbox luggage (laughs) xbox gucci luggage oh like if that wasn't already uh if that wasn't already what the fuck is his name? Like, Ghostface. No, oh, Ghostface. Okay. <laughs> Pretty Tony. Like, if that wasn't already a Ghostface line, it needs to be. I hope he has one. But yeah, I'm not a fan of the green, the green wording on the luggage. Otherwise, it looks fantastic. Mm. But I don't think they should have done black controllers with the stripes. I think it would have popped more if it was white. And then uh, just a little note that bugs me a little bit. I don't like how the models are african-american i think that's kind of malicious targeting but <laughs> <laughs> whatever black models getting jobs yeah black people, lives matter. people people working <laughs> yeah. it is what it is outstanding they neither one of them probably own an xbox not at all they don't even know what an xbox is but you're looking at that console aren't you the, the console is dope the console that is, is fucking like, fly dude yeah i will i'll say this uh my input, my, Microsoft done pretty well with their marketing of this Xbox. They, um, I know that that what was it, the uh, the refrigerator, the mini fridge Xbox sold out immediately. Did really mm-hmm. well. Yep. Um, they made sure to get those to all the celebrities. So you know, Snoop Dogg had his own Xbox mini fridge, um, as reported in the past on control issues. And so yeah, coming out with this Gucci box, absolutely dope. <laughs> I, I I can't wait. I can't wait to see. Um, you know, PlayStation, I can't wait to see what they have to offer. Uh, we know that there was that whole, you know, that whole kerfuffle with the the face plates and them shutting it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am excited to see what PlayStation eventually has to offer when it comes to their own themes and things along those lines. But this Gucci box, absolutely dope. 
I hope I hope people are rocking it. I can't wait to see that luggage out in the wild. Just see some dude randomly at the airport with Xbox. I you, you better not be checking that. You are carrying that on for sure. Yeah, that is one hundred percent a carry on. <laughs> like that is that is on the level of you're handcuffing the box, the briefcase to your arm. <laughs> got that Microsoft football. <laughs> yeah, like, you got it. You got to chop off my arm if you want to get this attaché case. Um, that shit is hot, man. Yeah. That shit is hot. Some some little rich kid is gonna have a very good Christmas. Oh yeah, yeah. That is that's absolutely dope. Not so. only did I get you an Xbox. <laughs> Got you luggage. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, Gucci Xbox. We gonna play this in my mind. <laughs> yeah, so that that is uh, that is uh, I will say definitely a positive story or a fun story. Yeah, but let's keep it moving. A dub into the next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. You know, like we got um, this is you know we've been waiting for this one. We got October NPD D D D D D D. So let's just roll right into this. The top 20 best-selling games for October in the United States. Number one, America. A-Dub <laughs> in, in America. Number one, A-Dub. Oh, I, thought it was, I thought it was just the same game. Nobody wanted it. They're not doing anything with this franchise. Why are they putting this out? They need to rethink about what they're doing here. Number one on the list, A-Dub, Far Cry 6. <laughs> Number two, Back for Blood. People uh, are enjoying their, their co-op uh, shooters, apparently. Uh, it's not as good as Left 4 Dead. Uh, I'm not having a good time. Uh. <laughs> Number two. Number two. <laughs> yeah. I, I, something, I, something notable here being that, um, you know, there's always this um, comment that Game Pass ruins sales, yada, 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 but showed up number two on the list. Number three behind that is a game that I played, a game that I love, a game that is my game of the year, being that I've only played one game this year so far. Metroid Dread. You're damn right. Number four. The note the thing noted there, uh, Metroid Dread. Uh Nintendo does not give out their digital sales, so might have bumped it up to possibly number two, maybe even number one if we counted all the sales in total, but number three, not bad. Number four on the list, Madden NFL 22. Num- number five, <laughs> Demon Slayer, the uh what an anime that a dub has recommended endlessly my man tanjiro i love him i love that kid so awesome to see demon slayer doing well number five number six fifa 22 maybe the last fifa (laughs) depending how things go if they if ea EA can get that license (laughs) just all the sports games yeah it's just just the same game (laughs) exactly yeah and it's just the same money too <laughs> uh-huh. selling selling number seven a dub we got another new game oh just another marvel game not gonna sell well guess it did sell well marvel's guardians of the galaxy all accounts hearing great reviews people enjoying it surprise surprise hit of the year because people wrote it off based on a couple of trailers <laughs> But yeah, off, off the first trailer. Just everybody, everybody always betting on red. <laughs> everybody coming out betting on red, despite what Wesley Snipes has told us in the past. You always bet on black. Yes, sir. I mean, what is, what is with people? How how wrong do you have to be every month for years before it's like, hmm, maybe games are getting better. Uh-huh. Maybe a game is gonna be good, more likely than it's gonna be bad. Like it's, it, 
talk about it all the time here. It's always this race to the bottom to be the first to hate on something or tell somebody that something's going to be bad. See, this is why before long, comment sections are going to go away too. <laughs> people just don't know how to conduct themselves. And, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, people are loving the soundtrack. People are loving the voice acting. People are loving the combat. People are loving the visuals. So by and large, on all accounts, it is at least a good to very solid game. Congratulations. The Guardians deserve that. It's definitely on my must-have list. I will be doing that. Yeah. If anything, too, maybe bought Square Enix a third chance <laughs> when it comes to Marvel properties. You know, uh, Marvel Avengers critically not doing as well. Um I believe we actually just got, we finally just got our update for Spider-Man coming to Marvel Avengers, but um, you know, just the, the reception to that game um, maybe, maybe worried Marvel as far as giving Square Enix another license or another crack at their, one of their properties. Yeah. So seeing that Guardians of the Galaxy did well, probably bought them another chance. And so, yeah, We'll see. Well, they, they had a three game deal, so I don't know how that worked out after Avengers. Like their confidence was definitely shaken after the reception of Avengers. But like, is that enough to just kill the contract and take whatever compensatory damages come with that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. But hey, they they had a misstep at the outset. They got a solid like base hit, maybe a double off of Guardians of the Galaxy. So, you know, they're on base. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. Hopefully hopefully Marvel just sees out the rest of their contract. Hopefully Square sees the errors of their ways and also sees, you know, their their solid footing with Guardians and does something spectacular to finish out this contract. Yes, sir. Number eight, another Nintendo game, another new Nintendo game, this, this being Mario Party Superstars. Number nine, got another new game, NHL 22. And now we're going to just roll through (laughs) these next couple games. 10, NBA 2K22. 11, Mario Kart 8. 12, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. 13, GTA 5. Ghost of Tsushima. Still some, that director's cut carrying it right now. (laughs) Why are they re-releasing it? Yeah, why is it? Why are they? Why are they just selling the upgrade for $10? Uh, 14, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Minecraft, 17, Marvel Spider Man Miles Morales, 18, Diablo 2 Resurrected, Mm -hmm. 19, Mortal Kombat 11, still selling, and 20, rounding out that list, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, still selling. Here's a note from Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread achieved the highest launch month sales of any Metroid franchise release in tracked history. Launch month physical dollar sales nearly doubled those of the previous best. Metroid Prime, Prime, Prime. Um, all right, let's get into the, the top 10 best-selling games of the year so far. Number one, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, still selling. Madden NFL 22. MLB The Show 21. Four, Resident Evil Village. Five, Super Mario 3D World. Six, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. Seven, Mario Kart 8. Eight, oh, a new game, Far Cry 6. So in its debut month, already the eighth, eighth best-selling game of the year. Nine, Minecraft. And ten, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, we're going to go to each individual console. 
uh, top five best-selling on each individual console, Nintendo leading it off. Number one, Metroid Dread, Mario Party Superstars, Mario Kart 8, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and five, Animal Crossing New Horizons. On PlayStation, the top five best-selling games of October. Number one, Far Cry 6. Two, Back for Blood. Three, Madden NFL 22. FIFA 22. And number five, A-Dub, Demon Slayer. And for Xbox, their top five. One, Far Cry 6. Two, Back for Blood. Madden NFL 22. FIFA 22. And A-Dub. Demon Slayer. And then uh, as far as hardware sales, Switch was the best-selling hardware platform for October in both units and dollar sales, aided by the launch of the Nintendo Switch OLED model. PlayStation 5 remains the best-selling hardware platform for 2021, year-to-date in dollar sales, while Nintendo Switch leads in unit sales. And just to show the uh, the momentum being held back by supply constraints when it comes to PlayStation and Xbox as well, we'll throw them in there. After 12 months in market, combined units of PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series are flat when compared to the same number of months for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. So knowing that, if we had more Xboxes and PlayStation 5s out there, they definitely would be running away with it. But still awesome to see that I, I was skeptical of the OLED model of the Nintendo Switch, but people are going back and double dipping when it comes to the Nintendo Switch. So yeah, um, we're seeing that hardware sales still up, but um, I'm sure PlayStation a little upset that they're not able to get out more consoles because they would probably just be raking in that deal right now. Instead, speaking of, they had to they had to make a slight adjustment to their production plans. They had to trim their their projected sales by 1 million units due to some unforeseen circumstances with the supply chain. Yeah. It was a story that actually I wanted to cover like two weeks ago, but they were literally flying PlayStation consoles, I believe to the UK and other countries, like just on jets. <laughs> yeah. So they just like, they just charter. They're like, fuck it. We can't rely on these ships. Ships are, you know, the whole story with like container, container, uh, ships like just sitting outside of long beach <laughs> waiting to offload yeah. their goods and so hey, playstation LBC. <laughs> yeah, LBC. so you know place uh playstation is just like fuck it we're getting some jets and we're just gonna fucking send those things right to the countries directly and just hand them off ho 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 bitches so yeah <laughs> unfortunate but um you know the scalpers i'm sure are happy <laughs> yeah because nobody owns uh playstation Zeta. yes <laughs> just scalpers yeah but let's keep it moving a dub into the next topic of the week top topic of the week well you guys know it's getting closer to the end of the year we got thanksgiving right around the corner where you can tell your loved ones how much you appreciate them how much you're thankful for all the good things in your life all the video games all the laughs all the cries all the multiplayer all that belly bitching but with that time you know that the coming and we got some nominees the kojima awards the kojima awards the keelys <laughs> <laughs> the keelys got the trollies around the corner ign go ahead and gave it a year we don't know what that's gonna be <laughs> oh man so yes the game awards have released their list of nominees for various categories of their award ceremony We'll start 
from the bottom. Ooh, not all the way to the bottom. Goddamn. <laughs> now so, so many categories. I mean, they have most anticipated game. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They got best. <laughs> they have best esports team, best esports game, esports event, best esports coach. <laughs> Coaches getting recognition, best esports athletes. Just everything about esports. They got best best esports administrative <laughs> branch, <laughs> uh, content creator of the year. They got best multiplayer game, best sim strategy game, best sports and racing game, mm. best family game, best fighting game, best RPG. That's actually got some interesting content in there. Nominees for best RPG. They got Tales of Arise, mm-hmm. Shin Megami Tensei 5, mm-hmm. Scarlet Nexus, Oh, Monster Hunter Rise. Oh, it's Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't work. It still doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercy. I mean, you got best action adventure game. Uh, best action game has, has one of my favorites in there. Nominees for best action game are Back for Blood, Chivalry 2, Death Loop. Far Cry 6 and Return Oh, <laughs> That's the spin feature. Got a bid last minute. They got Innovation and Accessibility, Best VR AR Game, Best Community Support. Nominees there being Apex Legends, Escape, uh, Destiny 2, Beyond Light, mm. Final Fantasy 14 Online, mm. Fortnite, and No Man's Sky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got best mobile game best debut indie game and our nominees there are Kenna Bridge of Spirits mm. Sable mm. The Artful Escape mm. The Forgotten City mm. and Valheim mm. so there's best debut indie game and then there's best indie game so <laughs> understand that for the so best debut indie games for the best debut game created by a new independent studio okay that makes sense and the best indie game is for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system those nominees are 12 minutes death's door Mm. kenna Mm. inscription Mm. and loop hero That's an interesting one. I'm pulling for Loop Hero in that one, even though 12 minutes in Death's Door definitely are very deserving of such an honor. I appreciate the the Kindle love right now. Exactly. Got best ongoing game. Uh, We got AMC's favorite category, which is Games for Impact. Humor me. What are the games in the Games for Impact? So, Games for Impact is for a thought provoking game with a pro social meaning or message. The nominees are. Before Your Eyes, mm. Chicory, A Colorful Tale, oh. Life is Strange, True Colors, of course, <laughs> No Longer Home, and Boyfriend Dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was hoping, I was like, I was like, is that, uh, what was it, Dream Daddy? <laughs> Can't get Dream it back Daddy? <laughs> I'm surprised no Dream Daddy love at least Boyfriend Dungeon, baby. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Oh, man, but uh, I don't know. There's going to be some controversy with that one. <laughs> oh, man, we got best performance. So in in this category, we have Erica Mori for her 
for her portrayal of whoever the fuck she's playing in Life is Strange, <laughs> Giancarlo Esposito in Far Cry 6, uh-huh. Jason E. Kelly in Deathloop, uh-huh. uh, Maggie Robertson in Resident Evil Village, mm-hmm. and Wait, is that is that, uh, is that what's her name? The uh... Tall lady? Yeah, yeah, the full figure. <laughs> I don't know, because this, uh, okay. is, this is one of those rare years where I haven't played a single Game of the Year nominee, okay. so... We'll get to that soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, lastly, Ozio Ama Akaga in Deathloop. So okay. two Deathloop nominees. All right. Uh, we got Best Audio Design, Best Score in Music, Best Art Direction, Best Narrative, Best mm. Game Direction, mm. and Game of the Year. Mm. The nominees are Deathloop, mm. It Takes Two, mm. Metroid Dread. Yeah. Psychonauts 2. Mm. Ratchet and Clank of Rift Apart. Mm. And Resident Evil Village. Uh, interesting. Yeah. More interesting than the nominees yeah. I mean, are do, do a couple like, of notable omissions. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you wanna you, you wanna talk about the snubs? <laughs> yeah, so coming coming back to our remark earlier about how this is one of those rare years where I haven't played a single one of the game of the year nominees. Of the games I have played this year, which admittedly is scant, and but number one, Forza Horizon 5 is like one of, if not the highest rated games of the year, <laughs> and it's like Xbox's most successful launch ever. <laughs> no game of the year, not. And then Returnal is probably Housemark's best game they've ever created. It led to an immediate acquisition by Sony. It's probably one of their best-selling games ever. It brought a very well-deserved level of polish and production value to the, the roguelike space of what is normally considered indie games. Uh, trash. Uh. And yeah, it overall, it was just an outstanding game from start to finish and beyond. So yeah, two of the finest games this year uh, I know AMC has played Metroid Dread, so at least we got a foot on base there. And, you know, not taking anything away from that game because it's fucking Metroid. It's brand new. It does some new stuff. You can't ask for anything more. I think Forza Horizon 5 and Returnal really got shafted here. I'm sorry. AMC, how do you feel about the nominees for the Game Awards Game of the Year 2021? It's interesting. So... I definitely would say um, Forza for sure got uh, shafted just based on everything I've heard from when it launched to even post-launch. Just people have been completely positive about the game. And so that is very shocking. Like almost that it makes you question the panel. Like, is it just a bunch of people who aren't into racing games and so just didn't want to give it the love? Um, And so, yeah, that's, that's weird. The Returnal one... My question to you is, do you think they were afraid to put it on the list? I 100% you, you think they were playing with they playing with scared money on that one? <laughs> I think I think they were afraid to put it on the list. I also think that just people roguelike is such a polarizing game style and like not even polarizing in the sense that it divides the community. It's polarizing in the sense that there's one massive side of the gaming community that 
really dislikes roguelikes and everything that comes with them. And there's one smaller side of the gaming community that absolutely loves them and doesn't want them to ever stop being created. Like there are people who don't want roguelikes to be made anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I do. I do. And, and I feel like, well, I feel like just, and with, with that latter point of there being people who either just avoid them off name, name and genre alone. There are people who don't want them to be made. I feel like perhaps there's in that selection panel, not only are there people who either don't play or don't respect racing games, but I think there are also people who don't play or don't respect roguelikes. Here's, here's the only thing. One, I do agree with you completely. Only argument I would say about that is I believe Hades won last year for Game of the Year at um, the Game Awards. But so, as anybody who hates Roblox to tell you, it's different. Yeah, and so that's where I would say, that's where I agree with you is that, and, and this is why I say scared money, is that I think the backlash to everything that was surrounding Returnal as far as like the game being $70, even though I don't understand why that should hold a game from being voted in. And then just the idea of the game being difficult for some reason penalized the game. Because by all accounts, even when I heard people talk about the game being like, even if, if they were to go as far to say frustratingly difficult, they still said the gameplay was absolutely awesome. And they would go back and play the game and they would say, I'm struggling. I, I, I guess it's biome three. I'm not sure which one it was that people seem to bump up against. But it anyways, was three. it was either boss one or biome three. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, people, but people always said still an amazing game to play is just very hard. And now they have this suspend thing. So maybe this, this changes everything, especially now that people figured out how to save scum if, yeah. uh, with all that bullshit. And so, um, yeah, that's the only reason why I say they're playing with scared money on this one, because by all accounts, good game. Um, and I, I wouldn't like, you said you enjoyed it. You also enjoyed Hades, so it's not that far of a drop off. <laughs> and so I think it's, it's not really, a drop off at all. They're both outstanding in different ways. Yeah, and so it's it's kind of strange that this game wouldn't even make it on the list. It doesn't have to win it. The fact that it didn't make it on the list is a little odd to me. Is out is what I would say. I, it so, has been nominated for other categories, or at least there's some saving grace yeah. there. And hopefully, it takes at least one of the other awards that it's nominated for. However, it's easily one of the best games of the year. So, yeah. I mean, but at the same token, I've played none of the games that were nominated, so I can't speak on whether or not it's better than anything that's on the list. But I mean, if if the things that you have nominated are things that I didn't even bat an eye at, something's off. Yeah, like for well, for me, like I just look at it as um, like one for one, and like you know, not to knock it, but like Ratchet and Clank came out. I, I'm I didn't really hear much about the game when it came out. I'm sure it was good, but I just didn't hear a lot of like chatter around the game. Whereas I did hear like this is the best game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I did hear a ton of chatter when it came to Returnal, and yeah. whether it was negative or you know some of the, like the the positivity, despite the uh, the difficulty of the game, I at least heard people talk about the game, and so it is a little strange that Ratchet and Clank easily got denied, but Returnal didn't. But you know, whatever. I I still don't think Ratchet and Clank was a bad game. I probably play it, and it would probably be a very fun game to play. It was just you know just a little strange, is what I'll say. But Forza should be on that list. I don't. I I don't even play Forza. And it should be on that list just based off of all the positivity I've heard about that game. And it's like, it didn't come out too late. It's nominated for several other awards, just <laughs> not game of the year. 
Yeah. That's weird. And it's and it's not even like we're the only ones calling that into question. Quite a lot of other people are calling that. Into <laughs> <laughs> no, but in, in general, a lot of people are calling that into question. However, that that isn't the focus of what these next people are talking about. <laughs> no, we got you troll of the week. Troll, troll of the week. week. Troll, troll of the, of the week. week. Yeah, these, these folks got some other opinions. We'll come back to the, the meat of the subject later when we got to get some of this hate in. First troll says, ain't gonna see it. Nothing is worth putting up with Jeff Keeley. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Next troll says, shill awards. <laughs> Uh, let me see. Next troll says the Game Awards is just for shills, content, quote unquote, creators and worthless game journalists. Next troll says with today's state of gaming, they should create a best multiplayer beta and most polished at launch category. <laughs> Making remarks of <laughs> the kinds of games and experiences that come out these days. Uh-huh. I, I kind of support the move for most polished at launch. <laughs> I think that's a worthwhile category, especially considering recent events, you know, spanning all the way back to the launch of Cyberpunk, reaching all the way up to the most recent launch of the Grand Theft Auto Definitive Edition. I think some developers do deserve recognition and and praise for releasing games in, let's just say, more polished conditions. Uh, next show says they should change the name from the Game Awards to... The we will never ever, so long as we breathe, no matter how good or well received, never give a game of the year award to an Xbox console exclusive game awards. Uh, so now there's, there's, I guess there's a bias towards PlayStation and Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the main thrust of the the negativity about these nominations, despite the fact that Xbox has the most award nominations in the entire show. <laughs> I mean, granted. They bought quite a few of them, but at the same token, they still got them. Though. Yeah. So, yeah, they have the most award nominations, and a lot of people are trying to give Xbox the nod for having Deathloop as a Game of the Year nominations. Like they didn't make it though, but but we don't need to have that discussion because some folks are delusional. Next troll says it's a massive disrespect to gaming that Cyberpunk got so many nominations. Just disrespectful to games and developers out there, especially developers who put everything into their games to make it work. And here we have Cyberpunk, an absolute joke, getting spots from other games that not only deserve it, but earned it. Uh. <laughs> All caps. <laughs> well, I mean, the problem with this remark is that it implies that Cyberpunk underneath it all is not a good game, which is incorrect to its core. It may have had, and still has, significant issues. There may have been a fiasco going on with the quality of the last gen version, but brush all that aside and just look at what's in front of you. Cyberpunk is a good game. It's not everything that they, that they set out to create, it wasn't as polished as they wanted us to believe when it launched, so it's not winning any awards there. But underneath it all, it's still a good game. CD Projekt Red earned whatever praise and, and nominations that they ended up getting for this game. If other outlets don't see it fit to nominate the game, then they won't. However, 
they aren't the only game that got nominated. It's, it's not like they're crowding out a whole bunch of other developers and projects because as these next shows would tell you, it was a shit year. <laughs> what a what a snoozer of a year. Woof. Uh, not a great year for gaming. Dry ass year. <laughs> Dry ass. Ashy ass year. Ashy ass year. And then the last show says, how is Cyberpunk nominated for best of anything? <laughs> well, we just explained it. Yeah. Because beneath it all, it's still a good game. So there you have it. AMC. You got any words for these trolls? I mean, it is what it is. Um, I, I even with my, you know, my gripes about like games getting stubbed from the list, I would never say, like, I wouldn't say that any of those games that got nominated were bad. By all accounts, I heard Psychonauts was good, uh, Ratchet and Clank was good. Mm-hmm. It takes it takes two. I definitely heard was good. I absolutely love Metroid Dread, and. Um, I forget what else is on that list. Maybe I hit them all. Resident Evil Village. Resident Evil Village. Uh, I think it's one of the best-selling Resident Evil games. Um, and so, yeah, it's, by all accounts, all those games were good. And um, Monster Hunter Rise, different category, but great game as well. And so, yeah, I don't think it was a dry-ass year. I think it's just <laughs> one of those years where there wasn't a definitive, like, oh, this game is running away with it. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a Last of Us 2 and in Hades or whatever, like, like there weren't like two two juggernauts that were just going toe to toe at the end of the year, um, and so yeah, because of that, you know, it it leaves like as you said, like some people played some games, some people played other games, but it it seems like people didn't play all the games, yeah. and so yeah, that's that's unfortunate um, because I'm sure there are going to be there's going to be a lot of opinions about like what games should have won, mm-hmm. but at least it's not one of those years where. Like we don't have to deal with the bullshit of the last of us two and people being like, we got to make sure that this game yeah. does not win no matter what. <laughs> we got to stonewall this game because yeah. I hated what they did with it. Yeah. We're not rooting against anything this year, which is, which is, I guess a positive takeaway from, for that. Yeah. Because um, if Returnal was in there, it would have been people <laughs> rooting against that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, it is what it is. Uh, I don't, I don't mind it. Oh, death loop, I think was also on there. Also, Violet, yep. that's a good game. And so, yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't mind any of any of those uh, nominations and keep it moving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to reflect back on a point that you made earlier, where it's like, oh, we're, we're, we're already at the stage where people are citing the bias of Jeff Keighley and the game awards and not, having like Forza on there or Microsoft <laughs> games it's you, that's already like one of the main points of discussion that's in the comment sections for the nominees and like it's I think it goes back to just when you have game of the year it's not necessarily about review scores it's not necessarily about how good a game is on its own like game of the year tends to be a game that like just transcends in some way not to say that Forza Horizon 5 doesn't transcend in some way I think it is it's transcendent but it's you also come up against that sports game racing game bias I mean for the longest time I personally thought that there would be no way that an online only multiplayer first-person shooter would never win game of the year and then eventually overwatch broke that seal so that made that 
that theory no longer viable. So who knows? Forza Horizon 5, fantastic game. Perhaps it just wasn't the game to finally crack that seal and force the the bodies, the juries, and you know the voting powers to take notice. At some point, it will. Hopefully, if people continue to make enough noise about it, because honestly, I think it was criminally snubbed. I think that was a very, I think that was a very poor move to not at least give it the nomination. Nobody's saying that. It, it was the best game of the year. It should win over everything, like, but other than, you know, the odd troll here and there. But at the same token, it's like to not acknowledge Forza Horizon 5 as one of the best games of the year. And my personal game of the year is Returnal, despite my time with Forza Horizon 5. But it's hugely successful, a step above Forza Horizon 4, easily one of the greatest racing games ever made, as noted in IGN's review, where it was awarded a 10 out of 10. So it's like, like what like what else do they have to do? Like, what more can Playground say? <laughs> you ought to just give them their, their due in this respect. Yeah, uh, the, the last thing I would say is that um, when it, especially when it comes to the game of the year, I always look at it as a recommendation, and especially when it comes to the game awards, because there are there are two specific games that I absolutely love that were you know kind of on my radar, but I wasn't necessarily going to buy them. And then when they won Game of the Year, I was like, all right, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to buy it. And they ended up being absolutely awesome. I don't, actually, I'm not sure if this game won Game of the Year, but as I said, uh, the the Game Awards that we went to, the coverage of Doom, the uh, the I think 2016 Doom or whatever it was. Like just I still see, have downloaded on my PS Plus. Yeah, like that game. I remember just like seeing the band perform, and then it won like some awards. And yeah, the yeah, band, yeah. the band, yeah, the band, <laughs> the the one man, the and one his man. drummer, yeah the, yeah, the two homies. Um, yeah, seeing all that, it got me to buy the game. I played it and absolutely loved it, and then ended up getting Doom Eternal and absolutely loved that game. And then yeah. Hades was on my radar, but wasn't a guaranteed purchase. And then. It won game of the year, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And then I was like, "Damn, like a roguelike got game of the year, huh?" And it, like it was on Switch at that time, and so uh, or only on Switch at that time. So I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and just pick this up now." Played it and absolutely loved Hades. And so yeah, um, if anything, I always take that game of the year nominee as a potential recommendation if I'm looking for something to play because like, all right, this game is clearly loved by people and. It's something that I'm probably going to want to play just to see what they like about it, and it may translate to you know future purchases if they come out with a sequel of that game. So yeah, um, I, that's how I look at it. I, I never look at it as like oh like this game has to win. It's like let's see what what wins so that like I know kind of like what's the game that I'm going to keep an eye on as far as purchasing down the line. Amen to that. Yes, sir. All right, well, let's keep it moving. A dub into the next topic of the week. Topic of the week. You know, we can uh, maybe start moving into quick hits, but um, you know, this one, this is a, this is a quick hit of mine. Halo Infinite has gone gold. A dub. Mm. The game will be releasing on December eighth. Hearing a lot of positivity with uh, the multiplayer and well, actually, why? Why is that? A lot of positivity with the multiplayer. Yeah, why are you hearing positivity with with a part of the game that that shouldn't be out until the the rest of the game comes out? Oh, I, I I don't know. Just people playing it. <laughs> as far as like, the, well, it's uh, because they for the 
Microsoft Xbox 20th anniversary show, they announced the surprise release of the Halo multiplayer. It is out in the wild. People are going wild in it. I'm looking at videos of people having fight grapple fights over banshees in midair. It's awesome. Yes. Okay. Okay. So I didn't know about that. And then, um, yeah, they get they handed out like a couple. At least they're letting um, people play the campaign as of right now. And by all accounts, they're enjoying the campaigns from what I've like heard on other shows. And so, yeah, uh, multiplayer doing well and the campaign doing well. And clearly, Xbox or Microsoft isn't afraid to get into the hands of people early. And so, yeah, this uh, it's a good sign for what we can expect for Halo Infinite. Now, normally you you see some kind of confidence when early reviews come out, but when the game comes out before the reviews, <laughs> yeah, that's that's like that's big dick energy right there. It's yeah, just like, yeah, yeah the game is good, just play it. Don't don't listen to nobody, just play this shit. So <laughs> we're putting it out. It's it's free. Just get yeah. It. So that if anything, that's a good sign for Microsoft. Assuming that when it comes out um, and it's released to the public at large, um, if people, you know, the the positivity continues, that two awesome games in one year too awesome exclusive in one year something mm-hmm. that you couldn't you wouldn't at, at all expect on the xbox uh one <laughs> or whatever it was yeah the uh the last console and so yeah um a good sign for at least a, a launch year i would say for xbox we got halo in the master chief returning to prominence we got 343i finally getting dialed in with the property we got microsoft firing on all cylinders hopefully this is a precursor of things to come with their continued first party development we know they got several games coming from the likes of obsidian from the likes of in exile likes of playground with fable mm-hmm. four from the likes of what is that ninja theory we still got hellblade oh so much stuff coming we got todd howard god Howard coming god. with this starfield next year still the only game standing alone in fall so yes. we'll see what else appears around that elder six. scrolls elder scrolls six confirmed to be exclusive to microsoft platforms yeah i was gonna say uh quick hit on Starfield, uh, in an interview with uh, Jeff Keighley, Todd Howard said that Starfield is in a playable state. Elder Scrolls mm-hmm. 6 is not. But, mm-hmm. you know, as of now, we've only heard about the lore of Starfield and, and seen, like, you know, some cinematics. But knowing that the game is actually being played um, in the studios, that's a that's a good sign for the game that we're hoping will come, I believe, next year, right? Or has that been delayed? <laughs> next year, November 11, 2022. Hoping that'll be my forever game. Mm. Duh, I just need one. Forever. That's all I need. Until Forza Horizon 6. <laughs> then I'll have to split some time. But yeah, Starfield is that game I'm looking I'm looking for a thousand hours from. I'm trying to have multiple characters, trying to have different dispositions and choices. Mm. We'll see what happens. Uh, I got I got high hopes, but I don't have expectations. I'm keeping I'm keeping those out of the picture. I'm just going to accept whatever's given to me and enjoy it for what it is. You got any other uh, quick hits or topics of the week? Got got quick hit. Got a two piece in the biscuit for that ass. Mm. Uh, in the form of ray tracing updates, mm. these are coming to Man Eater on PS5 as well mm. as Guardians of the Galaxy on PS5 and the mm. Xbox Series family of consoles. Mm. Uh, with Guardians of the Galaxy, you're getting uncapped frame rates, performance improvements, and more, which includes ray tracing. So if you're already enamored with 
the overall visual aesthetic of the game and the, the frenetic fast pace of the team-based gameplay, then it's going to get that much more immersive with the addition of realistic lighting and reflections. So yeah, AMC, by the time we get into Guardians of the Galaxy, it's, it's going to be even better than it was Beautiful. for the early adopters. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I got another quick hit, A-Dub. PlayStation, you know, this is the anniversary of the launch of the PS5, the one-year anniversary. Oh, so yeah. PlayStation, PlayStation Blog released the most played, uh, you know, by gameplay hours, games on the PS5 by Oh, Spider-Man. this is... This is going to be great. Yeah. Um, so th- these are the games that the scalpers have been playing a dub. Yes. <laughs> all Number- by themselves. <laughs> yeah, all by themselves. Number one, Fortnite. Uh, yeah. Little kids scalping consoles. <laughs> Number two, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Uh, uh, not so little kids scalping consoles. <laughs> Number three, FIFA 21. Uh, punk ass adults scalping consoles. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, NBA 2K21. Uh, everybody else scalping. <laughs> uh, well, now I just run through the rest of these. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Destiny 2, MLB The Show 21, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. Mm, this one, a game that's too hard and nobody wants to play, Dub, Demon Souls, and NBA 2K22. Anything notable there, A-Dub? It is interesting, you know, Fortnite, EA, Activision, all at the top of the list. 2K with NBA 2K21. You know, people say that these are all games that nobody plays, but yet they're the only games. Everybody plays. Yeah, everybody puts, at least when it comes to the most time that they put into a game, they are at the top of the list. But anything notable on your part, Adob? Nobody who has so much free time and so much excess hate in their heart that they go online and talk about things is playing those games because the people playing those games are playing those games. Uh, a, a few a few takeaways from me. Number one, there is only two PlayStation exclusives on that list. And number two, they are very close to the bottom of that list. So a lot of people I've seen, I think Kotaku ran an article sensationalizing that data because, you know, data can be interpreted any way you want to yeah. unless you actually do the hard work of looking at it and figuring out what it's actually saying. So to counter their sensational headline of PS5 owners don't play PlayStation exclusives, <laughs> I will I will come back with the idea that perhaps the most popular games out there are being played by the most people. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of makes more sense. Especially considering that Demon Souls only sold what a couple million copies, Miles Morales sold a handful of a million copies, like five, maybe six. Uh, what Fortnite, one of the biggest games on the face of the earth, 2K, I mean, what MLB the show, these are games that sell in excess of what 10 million copies. So, mm-hmm. of course. It was going to be all over the list. Assassin's Creed, as much as people complain about Ubisoft, Assassin's Creed, annualized franchises. And that's another takeaway. Annualized franchises. Uh, another takeaway. Free-to-play games. Another takeaway. Sports games. So all these games that people say, oh, there's too many of these. They're oversaturated. They're always the same. Well, apparently that's what the fan base likes. That's apparently what people are playing. 
This, this list is a snapshot of the gaming community at large. These are the people and these are the tendencies that we've been trying to awaken people to ever since we started the show. Like, if you're online, if you're into just RPGs and indie games and things, you're not the majority. You're not who the gaming industry is making games for. You're not where the money comes from. This isn't to diminish you. This isn't to make you feel powerless or hopeless. This is to offer perspective. So when you're online and you're seeing people complain about something, people hating, just remember that for all of you, there's probably 10 times, 100 times as many people that are out there buying and playing those games, <laughs> which are representative of what consumers whole capitalized are into. So that's why these games keep coming out. That's why they don't change. That's why free to play is being edged toward. That's why monetization is here to stay. Mm -hmm. This, this is the truth. So yes, they listen to us in some capacity where it's like, yeah, obviously there are millions of people who play the exclusives. So of course there's going to be some consideration in that respect because that's money. You don't leave money on the table. However, there's a bigger gaming community out there. So when these companies make decisions or make moves that you don't appreciate or think are rational, just remember that there's a whole cluster of voices that you're not listening to, but they have the industry's ear. That's all. AMC. <laughs> I got nothing else. I think you put it perfectly. You got any other uh, quick hits, Ado? Uh, so Elden Ring. Mm -hmm. So the demo, the network test, it's been out a while for a while now. Scalpers have even been selling codes because why the fuck not? Uh, as this has been out in the wild, you know how people are. They're going to find ways to break it. They're going to find ways to exploit it. They're going to find ways to do what the fuck they want to do because fuck your vision, Miyazaki. No. Much <laughs> respect. Much respect to Miyazaki-san. Miyazaki-sama. Looking forward to Elden Ring in February. You should too. However, demo players have found a way to break outside of the boundaries of the Elden Ring demo. And some of them didn't like what they found, AMC. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's it should go without saying that the area outside of the demo region is, of course, unfinished. Players have been falling through the world infinitely, but outside, it isn't as if there's nothing out there. Uh, I've seen videos where there's forest regions and you know there's, there's wild animals and things out there, bears and such. However, there's one particular bear that has been fucking people shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like this huge bear god that's roaming out in the forest. So like this, this all comes back to the discussions about Elden Ring, easy mode, how open world and all the changes that they're making to the formula are going to make the game more approachable, more accessible, easier. And it's like, yeah, yeah, to a certain extent. However, you still got to go out there. You still got to deal with bosses that aren't confined to rooms anymore, that are just roaming in the fucking forest. <laughs> and next thing you know, you're going to look up and see a giant bear god about to maul your so, you know, this is all to say that if you're the type of person who doesn't like these kind of games, if you're the type of person who thinks this is going to be easier and you're finally going to have your opportunity to be able to explore the world without being stuck at a boss, just remember 
it's still souls. <laughs> it's still going to fuck you up. <laughs> you got to earn your right to explore that world. You don't just ride where you want to ride. You earn that. So take it how you want to take it. AMC, how do you feel about this? I, I think it's awesome because I, I know there are people who are like, immediately like, oh, like I'm going to get that multiplayer going. I'm going to do all this shit and I'm going to, I'm going to basically cheat my way <laughs> through through a Souls game and work my way around it so it won't be nearly as hard. It's like, no, no, no. The, the formula is still there. They're not suddenly making easier games or giving people a leg up. If anything, they're doing all those things because you might need those things <laughs> for those who are afraid to play their games. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm happy to hear this. I can't wait for the game to come out. Um, I'm super excited. And um, I, I can't wait to see this bear now because I, I haven't seen this footage. <laughs> yeah, look that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that shit was like, yep, that's the souls that I knew this was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the shit that people are trying to convince themselves they can just run away from and go explore the world. Like you're just gonna take yourself deeper into more dangerous territory. You think you're really just gonna explore the world at your leisure? You get the fuck out of here. But yeah. whatever, do you trying to help you out? <laughs> mm. All right, you got any other stories, A Dub, before we get out of here? I'm tapped out, little homie. All right, sir. Well, big homie. <laughs> Let's uh let's call it a day. This is control issues. I am the AMC. And this is the We are control. Thank you. Control 